Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. On May 24th, an 18-year-old opened fire at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, killing 19 children and two adults. A day later, U.S. Senator Alex Padilla of California met with the San Diego Union-Tribune editorial board to discuss the mass shooting and what he believes lawmakers can do to prevent future tragedies. This excerpt was part of a larger conversation about state and national issues as Senator Padilla campaigns to complete his appointed term and win a second full term. The full conversation will be available at sandiegouniontribune.com slash opinion. Okay, today the San Diego Union Tribune editorial board is joined by Senator Alex Padilla. Senator, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, the opportunity. It's been a while since I was uh, before you and uh, from previous capacities in public service. And uh, it seems like times just to keep getting tougher given the uh, the horrific tragedy from from yesterday. But uh, looking forward to our dialogue. Yeah, let, let's talk about that. I know you you, you brought that up on the on the of floor today. It's so frustrating to think, you know, ten years after Sandy Hook, here we are again with something equally horrific. Um, what 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 can be done? What if anything can and will be done, or are we just going to do this same sad loop? You know, there's there's been so many issues uh, over the last year and well, nearly year and a half that I've been. Uh, in the Senate representing California, you know, some of the bigger uh, policy challenges, whether it's uh, expanding access to healthcare, whether it's uh, tackling climate, whether it's, you know, trying to negotiate a, a long overdue immigration reform, uh, or in this particular case, how do we improve uh, safety, specifically gun safety uh, in communities around the country that uh, has proven very hard. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if I remind my wife more or she reminds me more, you know, when it, when just because it's hard, uh, you know, when it's harder, that's when we have to dig in more. And, and I took this job, not because it was going to be easy, but because a lot of these issues are so important uh, and as devastating and, and uh, uh, heartbreaking as the shooting uh, in uh, Texas was yesterday. If you look last just a couple of weeks, whether it was a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, whether it was a, a church in uh, Southern California. Uh, you know, mass shootings uh, are horrific. They, uh, if, if not preventable, there's certainly some s- smart gun safety measures, things that uh, we can and should be doing, but for the 50-50 Senate, but for the filibuster rule, to think that not a single Republican is willing to stand up to the the NRA and the gun lobby to do what's right for even their own constituents uh, is uh, uh, appalling. But it means that number one, we got to keep trying. We, we can't just give up uh, because our kids' lives and their futures uh, are too important. And we got to keep building uh, not just information awareness, uh, but, but public awareness and advocacy. The, the vast majority of American people, both Democrat and Republican, are supportive of things like strengthening background checks. So maybe we need to help them be uh, more vocal and more influential with their own representatives to see movement in Congress. And you know, on the political side, it's yet another issue that I'll be su- suggesting to people to keep in mind when we go vote in November. We know uh, there's one political party that will refuse uh, to do anything to keep your kids safer in schools. Uh, and that should matter when you vote for who your representatives are. I was going to ask you specifically, you mentioned background checks. When you talk about common sense gun legislation, what specific 
changes in addition to background checks are you talking about? So, so background checks is a, an obvious one, I think, and even a lot of gun owners support, uh, you know, thoughtful uh, and more comprehensive background checks. Uh, an assault weapons ban, you know, we uh, uh, when, as the incident unfolded yesterday, we didn't hear a lot about that initially because the information was still coming out. But uh, to know that assault weapons were involved yet again, uh, there used to be an assault weapons ban in place nationally, and the data is there. Uh, incidents of this type went down during that uh, decade, uh, and then it expired, and we haven't been able to reinstate the assault weapons ban. And the state of California has an assault weapons ban, but when you have a handful of states that uh, are being smart about gun safety and other states that are loosening restrictions on how uh, people can own a gun, particularly a, a high uh, caliber gun, uh, automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons, uh, and then they can flow throughout the country, you know, in, in the eastern part of the country, we're very well aware of southern states with loose restrictions where a lot of gun sales are made and then trafficked up Highway 95, for example, into the Northeast for into states that uh, have more strict gun control laws. It's not uh, uh, too different than what we see in, in the Western United States. California may be strict, but if it's easy to get a gun in Nevada, Arizona, Utah, elsewhere, uh, and drive it across state lines, uh, then uh, it's a lot harder than if we have a firm, federal, consistent national law. Uh, law in place. So that's another one. High capacity cartridges. You know, even if there was assault, there's assault weapons bans, excuse me, if there's assault weapons out there, you know, how about just, you know, 10 rounds at a time? It doesn't have to be dozens and dozens and dozens of rounds that you can shoot off in a matter of uh, seconds. Uh, so that would be uh, uh, another piece. And, you know, we, we can go on and on, but the solutions are there. I think the point is we need the political will to be there on the other side of the aisle. Let me ask you what you I think. got to challenge you, Senator, on your formulation of the NRA as being the boogeyman here. It's been dozens of election cycles since the NRA was in the top 50, top 50 of contributors to, uh, to, to political campaigns. The idea that the NRA is driving this is just not true. In 2017, the Pew Research Center did a poll that found that, in fact, like you said, most gun owners support many, many restrictions beyond what are now in place. But the reason that they were reluctant to voice their support and vote on their support is because they truly believe the slippery slope argument that once these restrictions begin, they would never stop until the Second Amendment is gone. So I put it to you that the problem isn't just the NRA. It's the problem that, that folks uh, look at uh, advocates of gun controls and say they'll never stop. So I believe the Pew Research Center. I don't believe the glib thing that the NRA is driving this. The NRA is not a bomb, you know, is not all powerful. The NRA is a minor a political contributor. So what do you say to the idea that the distrust from gun owners is why we're never going to see progress in this? Distrust that this is really only the start, as opposed to a long-term goal of eradicating guns entirely? Yeah. So I'd counter with uh, two arguments. Number one, yes, maybe NRA, the NRA isn't financially uh, the force it once was, but it doesn't mean they don't have tremendous sway over their membership and the ability to communicate, uh, whether it's through uh, automated phone calls or emails or anything else and mobilize their base. That's even more powerful when it comes to advocacy than uh, a campaign contribution. So uh, I counter that number one. And you know, it, I don't, it's just so ironic that uh, the NRA is having their convention in Houston in a couple of days, uh, just a couple hours drive from the tragedy that took place yesterday. You know, don't get me started there. Number two, 
uh, in terms of those people who would believe that there's uh, the slippery slope argument, Democrats would not stop. Uh, I think they're a victim of manipulation and disinformation. You know, that's a whole bigger conversation on the power of disinformation, not just, but particularly online through social media platforms and elsewhere. We've been battling disinformation when it comes to confidence in our elections. We've been battling disinformation when it came to census participation in 2020. We've been battling disinformation throughout the COVID pandemic, whether it was a hoax initially or whether it was real, even when the vaccines were developed, whether the vaccines were safe or not. Uh, and I would argue that disinformation about what Democrats will or won't do as it pertains to gun safety is part of what's riled people up. You see the uptake in gun purchases whenever a Democrat is elected president, even though nobody's stripping away the Second Amendment. And every uh, uh, candidate for president, every elected president uh, says we respect the Second Amendment, but we also respect uh, children being able to go to school and not fear for their lives. Look, you're all from, from the greater San Diego area, and I've been saying this repeatedly over the last uh, day. I grew up in Southern California, so I remember fire drills, right, when I was in elementary school, junior high, which is now called middle school, high school. We grew up with that. We're not unfamiliar with earthquake drills. What to do when the ground starts shaking, you drop and you take cover. To think that children today are growing up with active shooter training and drills as young as elementary school is a sad state of our society, and uh, we need to do something about it. It's unacceptable. I a thousand percent agree with you. I'm not a gun owner. If we didn't have the Second Amendment, it would be fine with me. But the idea that uh, the view of the slippery slope is driven by misinformation or disinformation, President Obama said that people cling to their guns and their religions. That's an open display of antipathy towards how a third of America lives. That ain't misinformation. That is a president saying people cling to their guns and religions and expressing contempt for a large group of Americans. If you don't think that's a factor in this debate, I don't know what to say. Well, I do have another gun question. I, before that, though, I want to jump in and say, before we start stripping away amendments, since we value the First Amendment, I think we should be careful about that. The Second Amendment, uh, you know, um, I don't think we discussed, but right, understood. Um, on gun ownership, this was an 18 year old shooter. Where do you stand on what age uh, a person should be allowed to purchase a gun? Is 18 okay? And there are other issues beyond the age parameter that we should be looking at in, after a case like this? Or is 18 too young? Uh, from what I understand, uh, state leaders in California are considering or moving towards raising the age uh, requirement to, to 21. Uh, I'm, I'm supportive of that. I know it's debatable, uh, not just the, the policy side of it. Does it apply to all types of uh, arms or just simply uh, assault weapons, uh, et cetera? Uh, some people are, you know, if, if they take those steps, it's going to be quickly challenged uh, in the court of law, no doubt. Uh, but I think if... Uh, you know, if it's just, it, you have to be 21 to buy alcohol, not 18. Uh, so I think you can make a similar argument as to uh, uh, when someone can uh, uh, purchase weapons, particularly high capacity, semi-automatic and automatic weapons. It's a tough decision, right? Because you can be 18 to vote, you can be 18 to be drafted. So there's an argument that you're an adult at 18. I mean, a pretty strong argument. It's a, it's a tough choice. It's a tough, it's a tough decision. Um, I don't, does anyone I else have questions quick, on, on guns before we move yeah, on? Yeah, I had a quick gun question since we're on the topic. Uh, the flip side of this is always the uh, the mental health question. And I wonder, does this ever leak into the conversation about background checks and the age of being able to 
purchase uh, or is that just kind of put on the back burner every time this topic comes up? Yeah, look, it, uh, it, it does come up. Uh, I, I think the, uh, uh, the, the caution is uh, to not uh, uh, just assume that everybody uh, is, uh, men, men, anybody who has a mental health condition or a mental illness is going to turn into a violent killer because that's not the case. Right? Data shows that to people with a mental illness uh, are far more often victims of crime uh, and not just shooting, but other, all types of crimes. But it has to be part of the conversation. Look, mental, we had a, a mental health crisis in America since before the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, if uh, you can say there's a, you know, one of the uh, welcome consequences of COVID is that it's put a spotlight uh, and frankly, it's exacerbated so many of the underlying inequities and in public, public policy challenges that existed prior to the pandemic, whether it was economic inequality, uh, whether it was health disparities, uh, mental health across ages, but particularly amongst young people. Uh, the number of young people, not just experiencing some sort of uh, mental illness or disorder, but seeking help showing up in emergency rooms after unsuccessful uh, attempts at uh, uh, suicide. It's way up during uh, COVID and it's a wake up call for policymakers at the federal level, the state level and at the local level uh, to try to get our arms around that. But that's, it's parallel, but separate from uh, uh, access to uh, owning a gun. Senator, I know we have a lot of other issues to get to, but I did wanna ask you what your thoughts were. We're hearing from, other states about uh, metal detectors in schools and we're hearing about uh, teachers arming themselves and more police officers in the schools. I just wondered if you could comment on that and what your thoughts are about that. No, look, I've heard that too, uh, particularly as a knee-jerk reaction from some of my colleagues. Uh, if more people armed, if more weapons uh, made communities safer, the United States of America would be the safest nation on the planet but it's not the case. It's actually to the contrary. You know, we talk about these mass shootings, uh, populations in other countries all over the world uh, with access to weapons, with like mental illness is a human condition. It's not unique to the United States, but why is it only here that you see the number of and the frequency uh, of mass shootings like this? So no, I don't, I don't think more arms and more people armed is the answer. Um, see no more guns questions. Let me. Uh... Tanya, when I, yeah, when, if, if anything, when are we expected to see any changes? Because we have, like you said, 10 days ago, have all this horrific incidents all over the country. But if we, you know, are going to be observing this, when are we supposed to see something? Yeah, uh, change can't come soon enough. Uh, and so I'm part of the, the chorus of uh, members of the Senate, and members in Congress that continue to plead with our colleagues who have uh, not had the will or the willingness to uh, uh, do what's right as it pertains to gun safety, our children. I mean, think, think of what the parents in Texas are going through right now. Think of what the friends and family members in Buffalo and uh, uh, in, in uh, Orange County are feeling as a result of recent events. Uh, and it keeps playing out over and over and over again. So. Uh, between trying to change hearts and minds here in the Senate or trying to change who uh, the senators are after every election, we got to keep trying.
Once again, the full conversation is available online at sandiegouniontribune.com slash opinion. Thanks for listening.